Well, brothers and sisters, tonight we're looking at how to pray like we believe the gospel. If you ask your average nominal Christian, be they Catholic, Roman Catholic, theological liberal, or average evangelical, if you ask them what forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors means, they'll probably give you some version of you're forgiven by grace and you stay forgiven by the work of continuing to forgive other people. In by grace, stay in by works. They'd probably tell you that you earn heaven by niceness. They'd probably tell you that you can lose your salvation by having a bad day and snapping at somebody. And, and they'd probably put you right back under Adam. They'd probably put you right back under do this and live, forgive or be damned. And worst of all, they'd probably tell you that that message of Adam is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you ask Heidelberg, if you ask Heidelberg, what does forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors mean? You'll get the gospel. You'll get the gospel. And so that's our theme tonight. Our theme is that when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we are praying for the promises of the gospel. And we'll get that in two points tonight. Two points. First, we're asking for gospel forgiveness. We're asking for gospel forgiveness. And then secondly, we're asking to show gospel thankfulness. We are asking for gospel forgiveness, and we are asking that we would show gospel thankfulness. So first, point one, we are asking for gospel forgiveness. We're asking for forgiveness because we're sinners. That seems obvious to us. David tells us we're conceived and born in sin, and that in sin our mothers conceived us. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is desperate or deceitful above all else and desperately wicked, and that people cannot know it. And Paul tells us we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are sinners and we sin. You and I know this. We know that. We're Calvinists. We like talking about how wretched we are. It's a, it's a hobby of ours. So praying for forgiveness seems like a no-brainer. But the question is, why are Christians praying for this? Why are Christians praying for forgiveness? If only true believers can pray, why do believers have to pray this way? Why are believers continually praying for forgiveness? And the answer is, because the Christian life is a life of repentance. The Christian life is a life of repentance. The Christian life is a life of continuing to plead the promises of God to us in Christ. And it's because we're still sinners. We actually sin and we're corrupt by nature. So we're sinners because we're sinful and we sin because we're sinners. When David committed his sin against God by looking and creeping at the bathers on the roof instead of going to battle and, and me-tooing Bathsheba and killing her husband, David committed actual sin. And in our catechism, that's referred to as the transgressions that we do. And, and David committed actual sin because of his sinful nature. That's what the catechism says is the evil that still clings to us. And he did that even though he was already converted. David was the man after God's own heart, already saved, already the anointed. And this is what he's doing. This is who he is. 
believers pray for forgiveness because we believe the truth of the law and the gospel. We believe with Martin Luther that great truth of the Reformation that we are simultaneously, so we are at the same time, both justified and sinners. Even after we're saved, even after we're justified, we are still sinners to the core. And we need forgiveness. And so in light of that, we plead the promises of God to us in Christ. That's the beginning of that question and answer. The answer is, for the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, poor sinners that we are, any of these things. And we plead this knowing we've been forgiven once and for all. We, we plead this knowing we're already forgiven. You and I have been saved once and for all. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he was serious. He wasn't lying. He wasn't equivocating. He meant it. Your sins are gone. They are in the depths of the sea. When God regenerated you so that you believed and you were justified, you were justified once for all. You are a new creation. That's an unshakable, unchangeable reality. And you belong to Jesus. So there is therefore now no condemnation for you. There's, there's no condemnation. It's done. It's gone. And Christ is going to keep your deposit until that last day. It's in his hand. It won't fall out. You went through judgment at the cross, and God found you not guilty. You were buried, and you were raised with him because you belonged to him. So we pray for forgiveness in light of the fact that we're already forgiven once for all. And so when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we don't pray this to stay saved. We pray this because we're saved. We don't ask this to keep staying saved. We ask this because we are saved. We don't ask it in order to keep hitting some sort of reset button, you know, like a, like a reset button. There's sin piling up in the back room, and every once in a while you have to pray for forgiveness to, to get rid of it, clear it out, and make room for more. That's not the case. It's not that sort of system. You've been forgiven once for all, and that's why you can pray this. We pray this because we believe the gospel. And Christ's priesthood isn't like a Roman Catholic priesthood. Christ's priesthood doesn't work like the papist confessionals work. Christ's priesthood doesn't work by daily praying for forgiveness to stay on God's good side. Christ's priesthood doesn't work by praying for forgiveness daily as some sort of cosmic tune-up or top-off on a conditional forgiveness that needs to be constantly worked on. Your forgiveness is final. You are forgiven. We don't pray for forgiveness because it's something we fall in and out of. We pray for forgiveness in light of the reality that we are forgiven forever and ever and ever and ever in Christ. And that's because the slain lamb is worthy and his blood has washed you. So we don't pray this to earn. We don't pray this to add. We don't pray this to work. We pray this to believe. Praying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, is not a work. It is faith. We pray this prayer because we are continually pleading as Christians the blood of Christ that already covers us. But then secondly, point two, when we pray this, we're not only asking for gospel forgiveness, we're asking for gospel thankfulness. We're asking for the Spirit to help us show forgiveness as fruit and evidence that we believe. 
When we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we're not praying, help us to forgive other people hard enough so that we can earn our forgiveness. We are praying, help us to show thankfulness for the depth of the riches of the kindness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus and lavished on us in the blood of Christ and help us to witness how great a salvation we have to our neighbors by the way we treat them. See, a lot of people want to take the word as. So in forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. They want to take the word as and turn it into because. So they want to take the gospel statement, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and turn it into law, forgive us our debts because we forgive our debtors. And, and Ursinus, the guy that wrote our catechism, says, ah, those people are wrong. He says, you cannot regard as a cause something that is not a cause. Our forgiving other people does not cause our forgiveness of Christ, in Christ. Our forgiveness in Christ causes our forgiving others. And so when we forgive others, it doesn't earn things. It demonstrates something. When we forgive others, it demonstrates that we are people who believe the gospel and have received the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. When Jesus tells that parable we read tonight, the parable of the ungrateful servant in Matthew 18, that can seem like a scary parable. It can seem like the message of the parable is that continuing to forgive others is the way that we stay forgiven and earn a continued spot of forgiveness with God. But that's not the point. The point of that parable is that we are gospel people now, not law people. We're gospel people, and so we act with the gospel, and we treat other people with the gospel, and we deal with others with the gospel. The ungrateful servant in Matthew 18, which we read tonight, he gets forgiven a massive debt. That's millions of dollars of debt. It's, it's an unpayable debt that he is forgiven and he sees his sin and misery, and he's shown the gospel, and he goes right around and turns it back into law. He went right back into trusting the law to get the hundred denarii, to get that year's salary. See, he treated his master's forgiveness like a clean slate to go back to more law. He treated it like a reset button to start earning things by the law. And so he went to his fellow servant, and he's trusting in the law, and he deals with his fellow servant on terms of the law, in terms of strict justice, in terms of do this and live. And the master says, if you want law, I will give you law, and I'm going to toss you in the dungeon with the torturers. Brothers and sisters, if we don't forgive others, what we're evidencing is that we do not believe the gospel, but that we trust in the law. And in our sinful natures, we are that ungrateful servant who goes back to trusting in the law all the time to justify ourselves, and we fall short. Thanks be to God. In Christ, God has forgiven us even of going back to trusting in the law, even when we have fallen and treated our fellow servants according to the law. That in Christ has been forgiven. In Christ, his grace to you is not cheap or costly. It is free. And in Christ, we are called to show that free grace to others just as we've been shown it. 
The power of the gospel is that God gives us the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, Christ who had the right to be angry at us and instead humbled himself and took on the form of a servant and suffered and bore the Father's wrath and died so that we could be justified. It's only in light of having received that grace that you and I can forgive others. It's only in light of having received that grace that you and I get to forgive huge things. And we get to forgive huge things because we've been forgiven more. Stephen can pray in the middle of being stoned to death that God would forgive his killers. Saul's there holding the coat. Stephen prays, forgive Saul. Because Stephen knows that his sin put the Son of God to hell on the cross. Being stoned to death is really painful, I would assume. I've never been stoned to death. But being stoned to death unjustly after a sham trial is a big deal. That's a big thing to forgive. Being stoned to death after a sham trial hurts your dignity and your body, and it hurts your heart. That servant in the parable wasn't trying to get a small sum of money back. He was trying to get 100 denarii. That's probably about a year's salary. For the servant in the parable, losing 100 denarii is a big deal. It means your kids starve. Forgiving the wrongs that we've been wronged by others, even those claiming the name of Christ, is a big deal. It means we don't ever get to pay back those nights of tossing and turning and being so angry we can't sleep. It means that that feeling in your gut and that, and that warmth behind your ears and in your neck never get to translate into shaking people and yelling at them to make them know how much they hurt us. Forgiving others means, it's a big deal, but it means letting go of the things that hurt us to the core all day and every day. But Christ calls us to that because we're gospel people now. We are gospel people now. The scarred holes in the hands and feet inside of our Savior blind and block us to the bruises and bones or and broken bones that we have from others. It doesn't minimize what others do. It maximizes how much we've been forgiven. We forgive because we're gospel people who have received great forgiveness. We are gospel people who have received forgiveness for a more infinite debt than our finite minds can comprehend. And so we forgive the sins that others commit against us because we don't trust the law anymore. We believe the gospel. We believe the gospel of God's free grace to us in Christ. But brothers and sisters know this. Christ does not leave us alone He doesn't leave us on our own to muster up by our own strength enough feelings of thankfulness and and emotional response and and, 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 uh, our own power to try and respond with so great a thanks to this glorious gospel truth. Because even this thankfulness that we are to show, even this gospel thankfulness of forgiving others is, as our catechism says, evidence of God's grace to us in Christ. We are praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us 
the power and the, to forgive and the fruits of thankfulness. When we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we are praying, help us believe the gospel and then give us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can show that we are thankful for this gospel we believe. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.